out of our hearts by the word of God. Victory, eternity, Netzah. A holy sphere of Neptune, which is true love. The one and only true Holy Spirit coming forth and annihilating all false, demonic human love out of our hearts, out of our minds, out of our midst for a greater clarity and prophetic vision for all of our eagle friends welcome our angel friends welcome we're so glad to see you today <laughs> and we bless you in the name of jesus the grace of the lord jesus be with your spirit amen amen feels like the winds of the garden of eden are blowing mm. it's a real heavenly peace and bliss mm being released in this wind so let this heavenly garden of Eden peace and wind and bliss of God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit blow through your hearts and your minds throughout all your temples, the windows and the doors and the gates and bring healing in the winds of heaven prophesied to the wind son of man and they arose as a great army through wind Ezekiel 37 it is written this wind is the very air that blows in the garden of Eden third heaven you are to be the garden of Eden second heaven and the garden of Eden first heaven you know that there was no heaven on earth until God created Adam it is written for it had, had never rained, and there was no bloom, and there was no flowering of anything that was planted in the earth until God created Adam, which means there was no heaven on earth, that's in Genesis chapter 2, until God created man, and man bore his image. The image of what? The image of heaven. The image of the God of heaven is what causes the earth to bloom and bear forth fruit. It causes the very rain for fruitfulness, which is the Garden of Eden, to be on the earth. The more we are like our Father in heaven, the more earth turns into the Garden of Eden. So these are all the rewards of being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. This is something that begins like a mustard seed at birth. And as we become gardeners of that divine seed called the Word of God bearing its fruit in our hearts, we will increase heaven through the midheavens. We will increase heaven through the earth. And both are made new 
through you. There ain't anyone else coming. You're it. You're the temple. You're the only temple God has. God doesn't have a plan B. All of his chips are in the same basket called you and me. <laughs> and he likes his plan. He has no regrets. He knows how to deal with us. He knows how to get rid of the weeds, get rid of the distractions. Even when it feels like he's far off, he's dealing with stuff in your lives. When you feel like you're not doing the perfect will of God or you could be doing a lot better, I'm telling you, every single thing you go through, he is discipling you to himself. It just reminds me of my times in college. It was an extreme dark night of the soul for me in five years of Bible college from 2001 to 2006. And I remember often crying out, God, where are you? Because it was so hard and horrible the things I had to go through. I'd lost all the 22 people that had come from Teen Challenge to Bible College at North Central University. Every single one backslid into drugs and alcohol, and they all had dropped out. And I was the only one left out of everyone from Teen Challenge into NCU Bible College. And I just remember crying out, where are you? And just watching the enemy destroy everyone. And during those times, all you can do, and I didn't have a lot of training in God inside mindedness yet, I was just praying in tongues, just holding on for dear life. You'll go through phases where it'll feel, feel like there's more of the enemy than of God. What that is, is getting rid of the enemy for more of God. Because the enemy has hooks inside the believer. It is absolutely necessary every single one goes through a wilderness. The wilderness, as terrible as it is, is the most necessary thing in your Christianity. Even Jesus the Messiah, who is perfect and never sinned, had to go through a wilderness. The wilderness is when all of our stuff is revealed so we can get rid of it and get closer to God. Doesn't need to take a long time. It's only an 11 day walk from Egypt to Zion, which means He can do it in a short time if you're willing to give up all the secrets of your heart, all your thought life, all of your will, your stubbornness, the unteachableness, and every aspect of your life. If you're willing to yield it and surrender, the faster you get into the glory and remain there. But if you resist, what is written of those who resisted? They all died in the wilderness. What, what's the resistant and the resistance in the wilderness? It's not giving up your humanity. It's clinging to your stuff, thinking that we know better than God. It's clinging to the idolatry of earth and human. Now, as the whole path is paved into the heavenlies, the giving up of the human being and the human life, which is the animal life and the earthly life, will be a normal sacrifice for everyone who's Christian. When the earthly Christianity is the common thing down here, the standard is lukewarm and backslidden, which is the standard that most Christian leaders bring. If we're honest with ourselves, that's the truth anyhow. Now the standard that Jesus brought is Book of Revelation, Realm of the Overcomers, that are entirely second 
heaven conquerors. We have not seen that standard, nor has that standard been embraced by the body of Christ yet. But it is God the Father's standard, and it's written in the Word. Those who embrace that standard, the standard of the celestial angelic of the second heavens, will raise the standard in this day and bring judgment towards earthly Christianity in this apostate generation of iniquity. So, when you bring the kingdom, what did the apostles pray for? Now is the time for the kingdom to be restored to Israel. So Israel, the Bible says in Genesis, or in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Israel did not have possession of the kingdom. Daniel says the saints shall possess the kingdom. What does it mean to possess the kingdom? It means to possess the second heavens. Truth anyhow. Now, very few have ever done it. You go after it. You get hit by principalities. You look at the leaders nowadays in this Christian church in America. Most of them are getting eaten up by principalities. And many of them that were once faithful and true witnesses and even leaders, apostolic and prophetic leaders, are now completely apostate. They don't know it. But it's the truth anyhow. Why? Because the principalities have eaten them up in the earthly and they've rejected the celestial heavenly. That's why the influence in the leadership during the church age won't even be tolerated one bit as we bring forth the kingdom age. The kingdom age is by those who possess the second heavens, which means those who've been leaders in the first heavens in the earth who reject the second heavens conquering will become completely, listen now, completely apostate. Mm-hmm. They, will, they will more accurately bring the voice and the message of angels of light, which is most of the charismatic church leaders right now. Most. They are more a mouthpiece for the angels of light that deceive mm-hmm. than what God the Father is saying in daily bread. The true remnant who gets their food that comes down from heaven, wisdom that's first of all pure, that comes down from the Father of lights, the true prophetic witness in this day will have a unity like never before. There will be no lone rangers, but those that have truly ascended the narrow path to walk on sapphire pavement. The Bible says all the elders walked on sapphire stones, which means unless you're walking on sapphire stones in the heavens, conquering the second heavens, you are illegitimate, not leaders and not elders. You're not elders of nothing. In fact, the people that follow you will be deceived and empowered by demons. And they are those hordes of hell marching in the final quest series, in Heaven Awaits the Bride. The reason why so many Christians get empowered by the fallen angels, which is what Jesus told you what would happen, and what the whole book of Revelation is about, those who remain earthly in their Christianity, it's because the leaders refuse to conquer the promised land where the giants are, principalities, powers, thrones, and dominions, in the heavenly second heaven places. Because the leaders haven't gone there, None of the churches go there. They don't know how to rise. And Jesus Christ told you the Pharisees would block the way. They say, we don't go into those areas. We just stay in our little kumbaya 
church shack and we just pray from the earth dimension we just pray from below the below cannot change the above you'll be there a million years and you'll still not make a dent Mm -hmm. towards all the stuff in the second heavens we don't have a million years we have god's timeline of seven thousand years Mm -hmm. seven days amen and now you're in the year 6023 which is 23 years into the seventh day this is the time where the kingdom is restored to israel israel means son of god or the sons of god israel or the possessing of the second heaven for israel is the name of the son joseph's dream who's the son the bible tells you israel that's what it says israel it's called Tiferet Yisrael. It's the name of the sun. And those who possess the kingdom, yep, the sun, the moon, the stars, all the abilities of the angelic spheres, which are planetary systems, their moons, and all of their abilities over the earth, that realm is the kingdom. Those who possess the kingdom shall reign. And you'll have to devour the kingdoms, which means the enemy has done a ton of stuff in this world. The Bible says he has many kingdoms, seven mountains. Each mountain is a kingdom, but our kingdom is one. That's why if you read the Bible, we only have one mountain. Isaiah chapter 2, the mountain of the Lord shall rise as chief of all the mountains, plural, in the last days. Why? Because God is one. The enemy has multiple principalities, multiple kingdoms, all kinds of division. They fight amongst themselves. You have all kinds of sanctioned nations with the angels over nations. And they're separated. And they have borders. And it talks about that greatly in Genesis. And I'm sure we'll get into that in the future. Now is the time for us to possess the kingdom. The time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. What does the Bible say? And that was the end of the matter. Daniel 7. Amen. So we're learning how to possess God's creation, which means you'll have to learn the Word. The Word created the stars. That's what the Bible says. The Word created the sun, the moon, and the stars. The the Word created the government of day. The Word created the government of night. He created the law of the sky and the law of the clouds. We read that verse and posted that on Facebook yesterday. He created everything and gave it laws. What are these laws? It's not the law of Leviticus, so you can just chill out. The laws that God created is the (laughs) word that maintains the order of that luminary or that skyline, that firmament. There's a law in the earth. The rivers flow. There's a law in the earth and how the earth receives the light of the sun. That's a law. It's not the laws of science. It's the laws of primordial Torah. It's the laws that sustain the worlds of existence of spirit, soul, and body. And all of them learning how they work is learning great wisdom. So in order to possess the kingdom, the requirement is learning the law of the luminaries and you're on a luminary right now the earth is a luminary 
The earth is created to be luminous. The earth will shine like the sun, it says in Isaiah. So you're, you're living on an earth star. You're walking on a star right now. You might not think so. You're wrong. The Bible's the truth anyhow. You are walking on a, a luminary that has the ability of light that's an angelic sphere that has awesome angelic ability. This is the ability of new earth. Now, you didn't need new earth in the days of Adam before he fell. Now, everything's being made new to its perfect original word. God's not changing his word. His word remains the same forever. What's changing is man's interaction with the word. That's what transforms you. That's what transforms the earth. That's what possesses the heavens. When you go back and believe the word that created that sphere. And then the angels begin to minister to you. The angels begin to administrate the word. The Bible says the covenant was given through angels. Acts 7, it is written. And the Bible says that ministering spirits, angels are sent to you, which is the only way to inherit salvation. What are the angels' jobs? To teach you the word that does the ability that maintains creation. So learning the word is learning wisdom. There's wisdom here today to learn how to use the word in a new way. In a way that will change you, the way you act, the way you talk, the way you think. You want to change your thoughts? You'll have to change the words in you. You go from human. Why does the human being dramatically transform? By the washing of the water of the word? By the renewing of the mind? Because it's encountering angels that believe something different than you. The angels have a purer belief system that's not mixed with the human being, that's not mixed with doubt or unbelief, that's not mixed with darkness, that's not mixed with the enemy or sin transgression, especially the pride of religion that everyone's just full of these days. Angels don't have any of that. The angels are teaching you the pure spiritual word of God, which means it works by its own power, and if you have it working in you, you can yield to it and learn God's ways. Amen. Amen. That's so nice. All that about primordial law and the Torah, and the, this is not the law of the Lamentations, the Leviticus. You know, I kind of group those two together, you know, it's like, you know, basically. But uh, it reminds me of Chronicles of Narnia. If you guys watch those TV series or read the books, that primordial Torah, like the celestial cosmic law, it always reminds me of that part where the witch, the evil witch thinks she won and all the bad guys and the demons, I think they killed the lion, like we won, and the stone table breaks. It reminds me of that, what, it, what, what his death and resurrection really did to break stone tablets. And then there, that part where he tells off the witch, this is everyone, I, this is all my friend's favorite line, like you guys know what I'm about to say already, but the part where he says, do not cite the deep magic to me, witch, I was there when it was created, and I was like, oh, yeah, like, she doesn't even know what original primordial law is, she mm. thinks this other thing is a law, and his death and resurrection breaks it because he was literally there when original law was created. And that's in the Chronicles of Narnia when he says that 
deep magic. That's righteousness. Right. Mm. Hey, if you want to go check out that series again, Family, if you're looking for, you know, wholesome... It's hard to find a good wholesome family movie sometimes, but the cool thing about reigning and ruling and righteousness and growing in righteousness is all the old movies that you've seen that you love, these, like, you know, wholesome movies, they just go, like, to the next level in depth and meaning as you learn these cosmic truths, and that makes them more entertaining and enjoyable and deep and a great conversation that you can talk about. Great. Anyway, enjoy. Amen. Hmm. Is it? Oh, and also when you're talking about Ezekiel 37, I knew it was going to be Ruach. He said, prophesy to the wind. I heard mm. the Spirit say, prophesy to the Ruach. I was like, look it up. But that's exactly what it's going to say. Mm. Pro- and what did we talk about just this week? We talked about the levels of the soul. That second layer of the soul is fashioned after the Ruach. It's so, it's so exciting. So, mm. for all my note takers at home, that is within Yetzira, the soul tree, when you break it down into those layers, it's the second one up from the bottom. You have the nefesh, which we talked about, the seed of the appetites, the soul. And that second layer of the soul is actually fashioned after the ruach. So, the, the nefesh is represented in Shekinah, and the ruach is represented in Tiferet. Mm. Like he was saying, like Tiferet, we're going to that next level. That is also represented in the fire rose, the the vav. Uh, this is what are our notes here? Ruach, spirit wind. So ruach on the plane of Yetzirah is given if the vessel is made worthy. Let's see. Divine service, proper action. Da da da. Spirit Ruah, oh yeah, so that your spirit, your Ruah, is clothed in vitality, your Nefesh. So just like God clothes himself with like the seven heavens, and it's all this light clothing and things like that, you start to understand how the Ruah of your lay of your soul is actually clothed in the Nefesh. So it's, it's a fashionable clothing, it's like that animal skin of the tabernacle towards the outside. Very durable, functional, a little out of control sometimes. We just kill the animal every day. He's <laughs> like, this is a fashionable garment, so I need to kill it and wear it like a pelt. Just think like that. If you're struggling with the nefesh, the animal part of your soul, understand, we're just going to put this thing down and I'm going to have a fashionable garment of light because that op- also represents a layer of light. I check all my notes here. But yeah, it's different layers of light and going into like invis- different layers of invisible light. Because I mean, think about this. What makes God invisible? Think about it for a second. Ask yourself, what makes God invisible? Why is he invisible? Is he invisible? Well, look in front of you. Look at the camera. Look at us. You see us? Okay, now close your eyes. Am I still invisible, or can you just not see me because your eyes are closed? That is cool. Deep thoughts. <laughs> what if your spiritual eyes... Do you remember in The Matrix? If you have you guys seen those movies? In The Matrix, where he's like, Oh, why did my eyes hurt from the light? And then he just looks at him. Morpheus is like, Because you've never used them. <laughs> 
well, you're just a seer, you're just a seer. No, you've literally just never opened your eyes and seen. That's fine. Not a problem. We can fix that. But just don't call something when it's not. Like, oh, we just have seers and non-seers. Like what? Like some of us should and shouldn't have ear holes? Hello? Does that make- I mean, something's not making sense. Why do we have all these weird doctrines? Oh, some gifts of this- that. How about grow up that seed and get that DNA working? Let's get your eyes open. Okay, let's take it a step further. How is it that even when seers can see an invisible angel, they can make themselves even more invisible into another dimension that they don't see? So was the angel invisible before? Is he just more invisible now? How can you, how, what do you have to do to see where that angel went to? You ever think about this stuff? No. <laughs> I wanna be able to stare at them in all dimensions. Staring at angels in all dimensions ministries. If you ascend to that realm by climbing Jacob's ladder at that rung, and your eyes are in that dimension, then you'll see it. You'll be able to see it, because your eyes will be open, and your invisible body of your consciousness will be there. So you'll be there. Like if, let's say, if all you guys here in the audience, if you guys don't do this right now, but if y'all went outside, <laughs> they're so obedient, you gotta be careful what you say, they'll just be running outside. And if you ran outside and closed the door, you would still be on the same plane of existence, but you wouldn't see us, would you? Right, because you'd be outside, and we would be inside. So if you came inside, then you would see who was there, you get it? All right, mm -hmm. okay, that's good. That's good practice, it's good to stretch our minds a little bit and think, it's like, oh, God. I was just thinking about cheeseburgers and pizza, and now I have <laughs> all these thoughts. The spirits say, my beloved is a garden enclosed, which means the body of Christ is a garden within. The whole purpose of your creation is to be an embodiment of the third heaven, Garden of Eden, inside the second heaven, which is the star part of you, and the first heaven, which is the earth dust part of you. All of those parts make up what man and woman were, how they were made in Genesis. You were made out of the seventh heavens, out of all seven heavens. That's God said, let there be light. If you study that out, that's the creation of the heavens. It was through the heavens that you were made. That's why you're a garden enclosed. You're an enclosed vessel of seven heavens. Now, the whole purpose of ministry is to awaken you to Genesis 1, the light of original design. So it was almost like God created the dwelling place for us, and then days later, he created the vessel who would discover it going back in time. Study the Genesis account. So the purpose of your existence now and what revelation and wisdom are restored to me what does restore mean something you had previously restored to me the glory I had with you before the world was before the world was before he created worlds the Bible says he created lights which means that's the glory before the world was 
is the seven heavens before the creation of the worlds. This is what it means to restore the temple back to God and be a garden enclosed. What kind of garden? The same place where God the Father dwells. Mm. Amen. So when you're a garden enclosed, a garden within, every activity of your life is to improve that garden. Because you're you are a model of what God the Father's doing in heaven through your vessel right now into the earth. There was no heaven on earth until God created man. And man went into the lights that he had created before he created man. So it's discovering the glory. It's eating from the tree of life. It's the knowledge of the Father, which is the knowledge of the glory. It's living knowledge. It's light knowledge. It's not dead knowledge. It's not Greek knowledge. It's not like the education systems of earth. It's an education system of heaven, heaven schooling, that teaches you light and how to interact with light that existed before you were created. And the more you interact with the light before you're created, the more you're a garden enclosed manifesting those lights of original design. So it's like as far as you go back is as much as you're illuminated currently. If you can't go back, why do the enemy hurt you so bad and attack you so much? So you don't go very far back in the angelic. You don't go very far back in light or in creation. And you just stay stuck in the wounds of self. And you can't think anything other than about yourself. So instead of a garden enclosed, you're sin enclosed. So the enemy gets you bottled up, focused on self, instead of opened up, poured out of self, focused on God before you were. So we need to come to a place where we have a healthy mindset of thinking about the things of the glory before we existed. Then you can quickly get over yourself because you see how great God was before you were. Amen. Amen. <laughs> it's all about having the right outfit <laughs> for the occasion, right? Clothed in uncreated light, that spirit breath. You know, it's interesting when you look at that verse in Ezekiel, every single one of the times he says breath or wind, it's ruach. So literally when it says... Then he said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, unto the Ruach. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the Ruach, Thus saith the, you know, Adonai, Yadhe Vavhe, from, from the four winds, even four winds there is just simply Ruach. So isn't that interesting? Come, O breath, breath again there, it's Ruach again. And Napa, what did we, and breathe upon slain, these ones that they may live. And to live is Haya, right? The living creature. But that Napa, doesn't that sound familiar from when we were studying the formation of Adam? When God breathed into him, it's about forming a living being. It is so good. But every time he says, the four winds, the breath, prophesy to the wind it's all ruah mm. so good mm -hmm. 
which we know is where we get the Holy Spirit, prophesied of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's known as wind. Well, I really believe it's prophesying to the air quality of the third heaven, Garden of Eden, to come down into the earth. Because it's your only hope of having heaven in you, as if the very breath of the Holy Ghost in the Garden of Eden becomes the garden enclosed, which is really going back into the original design of what Adam and Eve were created for, to be an extension of the Garden of Eden, to be the vessels of the Father into different realms through them so they had experienced the ability of the Father inside their vessels. So they have a deepening encounter of knowing their Creator through what they experienced. So it's developing wisdom. Why? For the Father to have a higher quality of relationship through the experiences of His sons and daughters. <laughs> it's all to enrich the relationship with God and His son and daughters. Amen. It's the purpose of everything. So if you can have that mindset of why you're in the earth, you can use the earth to accumulate wisdom. In fact, if you're not doing that, you need to right away. Repentance means to use your time on earth to cultivate wisdom. Wisdom means so you have a closer relationship with God through the experiences of your life. The Bible says that the wisest man who ever lived was teaching on things in the earth. He was considering the ants. Think about the conies and the eagles and the lions. All these things in the earth that he's teaching in Proverbs according to wisdom. Which means Solomon had a sovereign gift upon him from the angel to use his time on earth to accumulate a relationship with the eternal God. And all of his sins are forgiven in the blood of Jesus, and so he continues to grow in his original mantling of great wisdom to this very moment. Mm. <laughs> and the reason all that stuff has value for wisdom on the earth is because it's corresponding to something in the heavens. So when you consider the ant, or you consider you know, quantum physics, you can consider what is going on in the celestial in the heavens, right, in the spiritual dimensions, you learn those things from studying, I call them, by studying the shadows, not, you know, the shadows of, you know, the phantoms of the other side, the enemy, but by sh studying the shadows of this realm, this dimension. It can, it's like a shadow of what's in the invisible. Everything that's physical came out of that which is invisible. So it tells us something about where it came from. Right? I see all men as trees. Well, we know from reading the New Testament, and the Old Testament that the trees represent the spirit. So now if you study trees, which is widely available, knowledge will increase in those days, you can do a quick Google search and find all kinds of things about trees. How deep the roots grow, what kind of soil and nutrients and water sources they're getting into. And you learn, you can just learn about trees and just be in your brain, that's not going to profit you anything. Maybe for a time, but everything is profitable for wisdom because it tells you about the celestial realm. It tells you about the cosmos. So if you're a student of things on earth, everything you learn at your job can have cosmic wisdom in it. And that's the joy of enjoying Spiritual intel intelligence. 
Yeah, and that makes it everything more fun. Carnal so. intelligence versus spiritual intelligence. Developing spiritual intelligence will be developing your eternal life. You can use all your surroundings right now to start growing in spirit intelligence because you are a spirit. But if you're deceived living after the flesh, none of your surroundings are even valuable to you, mm -hmm. which means you'll be stuck in the mud and can never ascend until you value mm -hmm. the spirit and the spirit's training. And he's not going to give you just a different environment. He wants you to become spiritually intelligent in the environment you're in right now. Right. Because it's this uh, lukewarmness to just change atmospheres. If I just move to Minneapolis and go to Joel's bar five days a week, it'll be so much easier for me. Well, no, you'd just be dependent on others. He wants you to mm -hmm. have a dependency on him inside mm -hmm. you, a maturity right mm -hmm. where you're at. Right, in all likelihood, if you're a baby, think about the, think about it rationally, right? Use anointed wisdom and reasoning. If you understand that Joel's bar is at the physical front lines, right? There's the celestial front lines, and then there's the physical front lines, and where those two points meet is right here. And so, if you're understanding that you're a baby Christian or you're a baby in the glory, and you're already struggling. Imagine a small child going to the front lines in Vietnam. Likely they're going to die. You might go to heaven, or your whole faith might get destroyed from getting eaten up by principalities. And since that's such a thing, actually, um, we were talking about this today. I wanted to see if there's anything you could say to our uh, listeners, Brandon, about how not to get eaten up by principalities. Mm. Because I think some of our people, they know they're young in their faith and their walk, or they're newer to the glory, and they just, they know they're not ready to wrestle principalities yet. But they're on the team, they're willing to make sacrifice, and they want to progress, but then they see all these supposed great leaders in charismatic church getting eaten up. And so I think it can make them feel a certain way. So if there's something you can let our young warriors know. Every single leader that hasn't understood what the promised land actually is gets eaten up by principalities and starts teaching lies. Like most charismatic leaders right now are not teaching accurately what God the Father wants this generation to do because they're heavily influenced by principalities and it's a lot worse than you think. How to not be influenced by principalities requires an understanding of the second heavens being the promised land. Otherwise, the second heavens that you don't think is your promised land will be the influence of your mindsets because you're settling like Esau for a bowl of soup in the earth in human Christianity, which is the main problem. The fallen angels feed on a people that call the earth their promised land, which means you're doomed. You've doomed yourself. Mm, it's only a, only a matter of time. I don't care how zealous you are. You could have the most radical signs, wonders, miracles, and fiery blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have a vision for the finish line, and you think the finish line's on earth, it's Ooh. just a matter of time before you're eaten up by principalities right. because you don't know where you're growing to. You perish because you don't understand the finish line. Run the race to win the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. 
if it's a low calling, which is earthly, and not a high calling, which is heavenly and celestial, it's just a matter of time because your mind is so far off from the finish line that the devil eats you up with lies. And that's why you see so many charismatic leaders getting devoured by devils in these days. So the repentance is repent of what you think success is into what the Bible says success is in the book of Revelation. Without an understanding of the success of the realm of the overcomers in the book of Revelation, they'll just be doomed. In fact, the Bible says everyone that remains earthly in their Christianity is guaranteed destruction. That's what makes them the members of the Horror of Babylon and the generation of iniquity. They would not be the generation of iniquity unless simultaneously the generation of the resurrection, righteousness, were here. Because it's only through righteousness of raising a standard into the celestial, into the true conquering of the second heavens, that the earthly is judged as iniquity. And that is what we're wrestling with in all the world right now. That is the end of the Christian civil war. And that is the truth anyhow. So those that are actual champions will conquer the second heavens and reveal those who claim to be Christian but are actually the church of iniquity. The charismatic Pentecostal whore of Babylon that's here in this day. And let me tell you, just like Elijah versus Jezebel, it was 99 in Elijah's camp to one in uh, 99 in Jezebel's camp to one in Elijah's camp. 950 prophets of Baal to one prophet Elijah. That is the numbers today in the charismatic church of those who are in the angels of light or human earthly Christianity and those that are walking and triumphing and beginning to mature in biblical maturity of walking in sapphire stones. Sapphire stones means you will learn everything about the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the word that created them, maintains them, and their actions and their deeds. And if you're not learning that, you're not even close to being biblical leadership during these days. Your life is a total waste and a lie. It's kumbaya in the sand. And you can look good in front of others, but it's so much more profitable to just allow the truth of the higher standard that you have not known to judge you so that you can be relevant eternally and not temporarily. That's the temptation of self-justification. The temptation is, well, I do all the stuff in the standard so low here in this Laodicean church, the seventh church of the book of Revelation that you're in right now. The standard is basically totally apostate, charismatic iniquity everywhere. And I'm really looking good and I'm on fire in that standard. That standard is set up for destruction. Mm-hmm. That standard is like the hordes of hell that are marching, guys. Right. When the enemy was encamped around the remnant in the torch and the sword, the enemy was all charismatic Christians. All of them. That was the main enemy attacking what God the Father was doing. And that's exactly how it is. 
and people are in denial everywhere and they're out here just making up their own human ideas. I tell you the truth, the real prophets are in agreement even if their spirit has to come back under their soul and they forget what their spirit was doing, the spirit of the prophets is in agreement. And I know the prophets have a long ways to go, but there will be the greatest demonstration of the prophetic of all time in these days against the generation of iniquity. And it will be a second heavens demonstration. You know what it's going to be? The demonstration of the overcomer's gifts of Revelation 2 and 3, of those who've gone up and become cosmic, and those that didn't and stayed on the earth. The ones on the earth will have the Pentecostal irrevocable gifts. You get those in the earth. Notice the Bible says you only get the overcomer's gifts in the heavens. So it'll be the heavenly gifts versus the earthly gifts. And if you haven't noticed, that's called the charismatic civil war that's mm -hmm. been raging for the last 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. You're in the midst of that. And so we're upgrading our angelic sphere ability. We need it and we do use it on men and women. That's what the Bible says. Dash the men and women to pieces like pottery. Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. red letters, right? Yeah, right, and one of the most misquoted verses of all time in charismatic Christianity is, well, our battle is not against flesh and blood. If you go in and actually translate it, it's not, uh, not against flesh and blood only, which also includes flesh and blood. Flesh and blood only, which mm -hmm. means mostly flesh and blood because mm -hmm. the flesh and blood is the temple of the entire spirit world. Mm -hmm. There's always a host body for everything the devil's doing mm -hmm. or God's doing. But when you're bewitched, you just think it's out here in the open. Mm -hmm. And then you just allow these temples of demons to come in like false brethren everywhere because you're lost. Right. <laughs> and you know what's interesting too is I really like what you said about going into the heavens, understanding where your goal is, understanding where your promised land is. That is so powerful. That was like the most clear. I don't think I've heard anyone explain it just like that. So thanks for sharing that with us. And what's really cool here, this is interesting. On that note from Ezekiel 37, what we just looked at. And he said, oh breath, like ruah, and breathe, napah, that was the breath of life that formed Adam, upon this, these slain, that they may live, right? Ruah, napah, and that they may live is hayah, right? Which is, you know, the holy hayah, the living creatures, to be in a live, you know, a living creature. And what's interesting here is that Psalm 61, because people are like, oh, the Lord is a strong tower, and well, what Lord are you serving? But if you look at the at the Hebrew in Psalm 61, 3, and for all of our note takers and students, if you get the um, the BLB, Blue Letter Bible app or online, you can look these up and check these out uh, on your study time as well. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a tower strong a strong tower from the enemy thou hast been it's haya a shelter for me and a tower strong from the enemy and from the enemy there it's panim that strong tower from the enemy they use the word panim and this is what the spirit uh, had me write down for you guys to share with you today it's all about it's about panim Ooh, that's just, this panim is the strong tower. 
These are the sapphire stones. But look at this. Genesis 3.8. This is in the cool of the day we talked about this. And they heard the voice of the Lord. God walking in the garden. In the cool of the day. Right? The ruah of the day. Prophesied of the ruah. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. It says Adam and wife hid themselves from the panim. That's the strong tower. Mm. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the panim. That's the tower that goes up through the second heavens, through all mm. the heavens mm. of the Lord. Now Hebrews, in the Hebrews it says, in Hebrew it says, from the panim of Yahweh, from the panim of yad heh vav -Heh. They hid themselves from the face of God. Panim mm. means face. So Panim, and that is Strong's H6440. And that transliteration Panim, P-A-N-I-M. Face, faces, presence, person. It could also mean the face, as in the face of an animal. Think about the living creature faces. Face, the surface of the ground, right? Malkut, the earth. Before and behind, toward, in front of, forward, formerly, from before time, or before. In the presence of, in the face of, at the face, or the front of, from the presence of, from before, or from before the, the face of. Now, if you look on Google for Panim, that Hebrew meaning, literally, first step on the internet, in, on the Wikipedia, that is Hebrew from the Proto-Semitic pan, which is related to the verb panah, which is to face. And that can mean as a noun, either one, a face, or two, an interior. Think the interior castles of God. Mm. Right, the face of God, and then the interior castles of God. That's where our journey is going. The face of God and the interior castles or mansions of God. In my father's house are many mansions. They hid from him. They hid from his interior, so they left the tower. They left the interior mansions of God. They hid among the trees. They hid from the face of God. Derived terms from Panim can mean for, or from this um, proto-Semitic pan inside before or in front of before me in front of her before them in front of them in the past in the front right future inwards before in front of us right past and future he who was he who is and he who is yet to come and the Holy Spirit says he said to me when I was making my notes behind you and before you Restoring the promises by the promised Holy Spirit, protecting you from the past. And the enemy's plans for your future, he's protecting you from those timelines. So they ate the fruit, their eyes were opened, and they hid from the panim of God, and they fell into Pan's labyrinth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the shadows, the, the counterfeit, the externalism. Ooh. And that's what we see happen, isn't it? When people 
They got they were the first to become bewitched of Galatians 3. So, they hid from the panim of God and they fell into Pan's labyrinth. That is Yetzirah, the garden of creation, the lower garden. The tree of the soul. Pan's labyrinth is the shell or the shadows of true Yetzirah. The fallen angel nature, part of man since Adam and Eve ate from the serpent. Yasar, or Yasir, yes, Yetzira. So as you're doing your Hebrew studies, if you're looking those up, you'll find Yasar, Y-A-S-A-R, or Y-A-S-I-R. And you can just note to yourself that that is dealing with Yetzira when you read that. All right, for a mystical interpretation of the Bible, it's one of the many layers of interpretation of the Word of God. So that verb, that word, yasar, yasir, yetzirah, <laughs> in the Bible you'll find this, and Abimelech was prince, which is va-yasar, over all Israel. So that va-yasar, yetzirah, it's about being a prince. That princeliness. Right, the prince of angels, like the, mm. the, the, you're a prince in the kingdom. Kings and, and lords. And everyone's like, I'm a king. Okay, I know. We know you're a king, but <laughs> we grow into our roles, right? We're, if even Enoch, by one of his names, is still called a prince, right? If the angel who's in charge prince of all of the... the scrap department. Hallelujah. <laughs> right, humble beginnings. <laughs> Great story where he starts with the humble beginnings, right? Prince of foot washing. Prin the prince of the seraphim, I mean, huge entity, massive fire. When that dude showed up, we were getting ice cream, and he shows up in the invisible, and I can mm, see him. Prince of ice cream. The prince of ice cream. That's, I, th I would give you that name. You love ice cream. You have good taste in ice cream, too. And, uh, yeah, the weird ice cream one time, the, literally the prince of the seraphim shows up, mm. and there was these people around us at the tables outside. Literally, they looked like they were fleeing for their lives. Mm -hmm. They couldn't see him, but like you could, you could, in like and it blew the leaves. When we had ice cream last summer, and it looked like a bomb went off, and every it was every table was full, like and they all, yeah, two years oh, ago, oh yeah, and they all scattered. Yes, but there was a, the one. Off right away. I thought it was pretty funny. The special looked like terrified. Was like there was a Muslim com uh, couple right there. Like not to pick on one false religion over another, yeah, but, but they, probably they left out the, they, most. the most. They looked terrified. They the so it was demons. pretty funny. So I was in there, ice cream, like, <laughs> praying for their salvation. We're not that terrible. Your ice cream tastes like yeah. hell because <laughs> the angels showed up from heaven. They were so scared, but it was really funny to watch people. I was like, of course I tested the spirit because it's kind of like, what in the heck is that? But um, yeah, he, that's when he came with the <laughs> scroll and... I remember uh, Seraphim is so I could hardly not like under barely understand him at all when he first showed up. It's like I know you made this whole trip. You're not usually in this dimension, and it's like it felt like a special occasion. It's like I just can't understand what you're saying. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't speak very good Seraphim yet. <laughs> I could hardly understand you, but it, it started to work out, and the spirit made it understandable to me, and so I was able to receive the message. But. I don't know what it is about the dialect with Seraphim. They're just from a higher tree. They're from uh, the realm of Seraphim, I believe that is the tree of Bariah, where Yetzirah is mainly even like high-ranking angels, living creatures. Ophanim is like the realm of Asaya, right? Asaya, Yetzirah, and then Bariah. 
but they're just from a higher dimension they're not even from that realm of like formation it's just like so much fire so uh, but I'm we were lucky because one of Brandon's angels is an old seraphim and I would listen to him tell stories sometimes and I would try to make out what he was saying and when I could understand him and I'd write it down and uh, we call him Papaw Boomy because <laughs> of the big ancient seraphim kind of voice and so when this seraphim showed up that's one of the reasons I knew he was a seraphim isn't this so wild and so crazy when they show up because he had that same accent like when some if you meet a lot if you meet somebody from Germany and they're like oh yeah that's a German accent then the next time you meet someone from Germany you're like oh yeah that's a German accent it's like that with the seraphim notice it says in Paul's writings that you'll speak in the tongues of nations and the tongues plural of angels I'd like to get better in seraphim which means it'll be a cherub ophanim seraphim and there's many other angelic classes <coughs> of tongues Right. Many different angelic tongues, it's written. Hey, you know what? There's always a safe bet. If the seraphim show up and you're like, I have no, I don't understand seraphim. I don't speak seraphim. Just holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. They know that one, okay? <laughs> and I know there's also tongues of stars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, this is good. There's so many fun realms. Uh, but I'm going to read the, a little bit more of this here because... Uh, I found the Sailor Moon reference of of the Yetzira in here, so obviously that's what I want to preach about today. But anyway, this is where I found it. Okay, Yasar, which is right Yetzira. I said I finally found the Sailor Moon reference. It is Strong's three two five six Yasar. Tell me if this doesn't sound familiar for those of you who've seen the show. For all this, hearken unto me. Then I will punish you seven times. <laughs> oh, from the moon and yet, Sarah. Okay, okay. Moving on. It means Yasar is to be right, to be straight, to make straight the way, to be upright, to be just, to be lawful, to be pleasing, agreeable, straightforward, upright, to make right, to make smooth, to make straight, to esteem right, to rightly approve, to be made level, smoothly laid out. So to make straight the way of the Lord means you have to go through Yetzirah, because that's Yasar. Make straight the way of the Lord. So to make straight the way of the Lord, you have to go through the tree of Yetzirah and deal with the fallen aspect of it within the soul. Strong's uh, KJV also translates it in the following manner. Straight, direct, right, well, fitted, good. Make straight, meet upright or uprightly. Righteousness righteousness and interestingly the Jewish sages believe that the Hebrew vowels in between the consonants corresponded with the layers of the soul in the body so each of these versions of Yasar Y-A-S-A-R in the transliteration they're all pretty much the same consonants but with different vowels and the, all the strongs are like H3335 or 333 and another number. And so in this variation of Yasar, same word, different vowels. It means Yasar, which is, we, as we know, Yetzirah, dealing with the soul, right? Layers of the soul of human activity or of divine activity. 
right? The human soul or the divine soul. Of creation, of original creation, right? Primordial law. Of individuals uh, at conception. The formation in the mother's womb. How can a man be born again in his soul, right? To frame or to preordain. To preordain, predestined, preordination. To be formed, right? The world of formation. <laughs> to be predetermined, but preordained. To be formed. I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you before you were born. How can a man enter his mother's womb a second time? And again, Yatsar. Again, same, same word. Different vowels, which means different dealings of the layers of the soul. Yatsar. Through the squeezing into shape. I'm gonna fit that camel through the eye of a needle. <laughs> Somebody's gonna do it today, in Jesus' name. To mold into form, especially as a potter, figuratively, to determine, to form a resolution, earthen, fashion. Fashion, high fashion. Here we go. That's for somebody. I know, that's true. Form, frame, make, potter, purpose. Fashion, maker, potter, frame, former, earthen, purpose. So th this Yetzar is the word used when God formed Adam out of the dust. And interestingly, it's used in the same word formed here in Psalms 94.20. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth, or yatsar, mischief by a law. So there's the throne of iniquity, how it works iniquity even through the soul and through the heavenlies in that layer of yatsira. The throne of iniquity forms, frames, or creates mischief, problems, troubles for you by the law in yatsira. The world of formation. So we need to cleanse that world of formation within Adam mm -hmm. by primordial law, which cannot be abused as the imperfect law mm -hmm. is abused. So the throne of iniquity frames or forms mischief by law. Remember this word is Yetzira, so we're dealing with the soul tree and the realm of angels, both good and evil. And there's another interesting scripture about Yetzira, Psalm 104.26. There go the ships, there is that Leviathan, whom thou hast made, Yetzira, to play therein. Sounds like Leviathan's home too. Alright. Not until we eat it. <laughs> Amen. Leviathan Backyard Barbecue. Coming to a Minneapolis near you. Seared tuna. Seared, oh, yeah. It's an aquatic creature. Amen. Nice tuna. Seared tuna. Perfect. There is a lot of uh, Jewish literature that talks about the righteous in the future will eat uh, Leviathan for a celebratory meal and kind of like decorate their tent space with its carcass. And behemoth of the land, too. Yeah. Behemoth burgers and Leviathan seared ahi tuna. Sounds good. Delicious. We're always looking for the good food. We're eating monsters. Yeah, you could, eating monsters ministries. Mm. So they don't eat you. Better eat them so they don't eat totally you. Totally biblical. Amen. So, okay. 
uh, but this is important too. The first mention of Yetzirah is forming Adam, but what is the second mention? The very next mention, other than forming Adam. Genesis 2.8 And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had, Yetzirah. He had Yetzirahed Adam. Immediately the earth bloomed. Amen. It's happy springtime. Oh, <laughs> So, Yetzira is the location of the garden, the lower garden, the garden of the soul. Mm. We're dealing with both sides of the sword here, so this, and this will protect you. This part, this is part of the reason when people come into the Garden of Eden experience, or come into the Garden of Eden together and experience the pleasures of the soul and spirituality, it is almost always a false love experience. Mm -hmm. The lower garden is infested with snakes pretending to be angels, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, so the overflow of this realm can be experienced while still on the earth without doing any actual conquering to experience the garden because, you know, Satan's gifts come cheap. Mm -hmm. Just enough to keep people in the sand and distracted by false love. Now this type or style of vision and experience of a place, right? A vision or experience of a place without actually going there is common even in true visions, such as Teresa of Avila. There is a practice of meditation that is known amongst Jewish mystics and sages that allows you to see into all seven interior castles without actually conquering them. This is how Teresa of Avila was able to write about even the mansions that she explains in her own book that she had not actually gone that far in the interior journey, mm -hmm. but she was able to explain them. And she, she makes that clear in her Prophets book. Prophets have foresight even though they're not there. And what's interesting is Teresa of Avila had that same experience. If you get into Jewish sage history in their meditations, it's the exact same meditation. So now whether she had learned that secretly so the Roman Catholic Church wouldn't burn her at the stake, uh, or if that's just a sovereign gift God gave her, it shows you across the board, that's just, you know, it's a, an experience from God. And it shouldn't be rejected because, you know, you didn't, do, well, did you actually go there? That's just, you know, human reasoning, human opinions and ideas. From God. It's valuable. If it's from mm -hmm. God, it's valuable. Amen? Okay. But if it's perverted or used in a wrong way, or it's, you know, used to be something that it's not, that's when we get into trouble. So that's how she was able to write about the mansions. Okay, so similarly, but in a perverted way, Christians on the earth in the sand, or those not yet risen into the angelic sphere, are able to have visions of things not yet experienced, as if they are From experienced. From licking the frogs of the false prophet. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Start tripping. So they're able to have visions of things not yet experienced as if they are experiencing them by seeing them. Right, so it's not a problem that you're seeing things you haven't experienced. That can be a great thing because he's trying to give you uh, sight ahead. But what mm -hmm. happens is we get the head stuck in the sand. don't really go anywhere. The high on snake venom. It's not, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> so here's the thing. Now, this is important because we have a lot of prophetic viewers. If the enemy can keep you content with these experiences, right? Because some of them will be false visions about true things, right? <laughs> so it could be a true vision from a demon. Why would a demon give you a true vision mm. to, to get you into a lie? Because they know, give them some truth, give them some truth. Okay, now hit them with the lie. 
and you didn't test the source. And you just got prideful and puffed up. So now you're totally screwed until you repent. But it's okay. This is why we're explaining it so that this doesn't happen to you. And if it has, you can start catching them. You gotta catch them. Catch them foxes, right? Catch them. Mm. So, you know, don't let the enemy keep you content with these kinds of things. Okay. If the enemy can keep you content with these experiences, the believer, right, will be less likely to seek to rise or to get actually into the sun of righteousness. This is a temporary fix for their perceived dry spells, right? The desert is full of dry spells. So these visions that come either from the enemy or from the soul, or even from God of what the believer hasn't experienced, but they interpret it with pride as something they've already been to, that keeps them in the sand, keeps them on the earth, earthbound. So that's their temporary fix. So the enemy wounds and then offers a band-aid. It's always a distraction. True vision from pure wisdom will always lead you up higher. And uh, again, mm -hmm. to yeah, where we're going, Isaiah, Yetzirah, and another one of those transliterations of same word, Yesar, but with different vowels in between. This is Strong's H3477, yes, Yashar. Straight, upright, correct, right, straight, level, right, pleasing, correct, straightforward, just, upright, fitting, proper, uprightness, righteous, upright, that which is upright. Now listen to this. I, this is why I'm sharing this with you guys. This is going to change a whole book for you. That Yasar, Yashar. Straight or literally, literally means Jasher. Hmm. Yes, sir. Yet zero. And it also means pleased well. And it also means righteous. Straight. The straight way. The upright path. Pleased well righteous. Hello, Enoch pleased God and he was taken. He walked with God uprightly, righteously, and he was no more for God took him. That's how you be pleasing to God. So that righteous, straight, convenient, equity, just, meet, meet us upright, uprightly, uprightness, righteous, and also means Jasher, as in the book of Jasher. So that's a whole thing we could unfold, but let images flash before your mind of the story of the book of Jasher mm. and what is written there. So you could say that Jasher is the story of Yetzirah. Mm. Amen. That'll enjoy, somebody's going to enjoy that enjoy that tonight yeah. so uh, I found so many gems so we had to share them today now since we're talking about Yetzirah the garden and walking with God and the rock of the day the cool of the day I just want to address the, it's important we address the mirror situation and a lot of you might be wondering about the mirror dimension the mirror situation what's all this up with the mirrors what's going on you want to see the castles the towers with the mirrors like what the mirror the mirror within the mirror bad mirror good mirror what 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 is up with this mirror? What's going on with the mirrors? I'll tell you. Mm -hmm. Well, first let's look at when God was walking in the Ruach, the cool of the day, and Adam and Eve hid from the Panim of God, the face of God. Let's take a look again at some of those definitions of Panim. Panim. P-A-N-I-M. Face. Face is presence, person. Face of a seraphim or cherubim. Mm -hmm. Face of an animal. Face or the surface of the ground. Right, that mist that sprung up from the ground. And pan, face or interior. The face of God, the interior castles. God is a strong tower. The face of the seraphim, the face mm -hmm. of the cherubim. 
Panim, where else do we see this? <laughs> if you just put, I believe it's like a little olive and one other little letter. Ophanim, 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 Ophanim. It's Ophanim. Just add a little. You can't spell Ophanim without Panim. Mm. The Ophanim, the wheels. Panim. They hid from the Panim of God. Carrying the face of God. Ezekiel 113, <laughs> the image of the living beings, their appearance, their appearance was like burning coals of fire. They hid from the Panim of God. Woo, the mirror. Now, everything is a two-edged sword that we deal with because we're still de dealing with the enemy side. So as you go up, it's always a two-edged sword, right? When you deal with the Order of Melchizedek, you automatically deal with uh, Molech, right? The one who steals and twists the word. But the mirror and that impulse that people have to look into the mirror, because the mirror of God, right? There's mirrors within mirrors from different levels. Like when you go into the realm of the Ophanim, which is the tree of Isaiah, that's the realm of the Ophanim. For most Christians down in the sand, that's like a high, you know, pie in the sky. Maybe someday we'll see the Ophanim, but probably not. We'll just imagine about it. That's just like the first level tree. It's not, it's not that high up, right? It is, but it's like, you know, we have so much higher to go. Respect and love each part of the journey, it's important. But it's not, you're not capped at like, you know, someday I'll just see the Ophanim and then that's it. That's just the beginning. You have a lot more to see. Oh wow, we could talk about that. Okay, Ooh. okay. They told me not to talk about this one for a while. I don't know why exactly, maybe a little bit. Uh, but I can talk about it now. The uh, Ophanim are portal angels. They are portals. They are eyes. They're also portals. They're also mirrors. A veil and a mirror. There's a veil and a mirror. In Satan's kingdom, he conceals things to hurt you, to trick you, and to hold withhold power from you. Because Christianity is mainly in Satan's kingdom these days, when people aren't given all the mysteries and all the secrets of God right away, they start to interpret it because of their past experience, that's what the brain does, of Satan's kingdom, which is, I'm withholding information from you to keep you from power so that we can control you. That's Satan's kingdom. That's your experience in Christianity. Okay, so what's different when you're coming into the sapphire stones? Jacob's ladder. All the veils, they serve multiple purposes. The same thing that conceals something of God is also what reveals him to you. Let's let's make it this way. If it's if it's a veil and it's also a mirror, let's say, okay, we talked about earlier, close your eyes, open your eyes, there's God. Well the problem with that, why do there have to be so many veils and so many ladders to get to him? We're talking about a God if he just looked at the seventh heaven. All the way up the seventh heaven. It would be ripped to pieces. Just by him looking at it, if there wasn't a concealment of some of that light if there wasn't a 
a filter there. Right, if you stare into the sun without your sunglasses, you'll burn your eyeballs out, everyone knows that. What about the living God who gave light to the sun, who continually gives light to the sun? It would literally kill you. He's not trying to literally kill you. He's trying to kill the demonic nature out of you so that you can enjoy and see more of his light. You kill the snakes. Because there's, there's an unveiling to the pro prophets who keep going. If it was done for them when they were younger, mm -hmm. it would have killed you. But then you have more light in you. Beaming out of you, you can receive more light. More of the death is out of you, so it doesn't kill you, literally. So that's why there's veils and ladders and steps. That separation holiness is mercy. Holiness kills wickedness right? every time. It does. and Eventually so, our holiness will be so bright, it kills all darkness in the world. Right. <laughs> Amen. So when you're looking through <laughs> OFNM eyes, some of them, they're going to transport you because they are portal angels. Some of them are going to give you a fresh vision. Have you ever thought about seeing someone through the eyes of someone else? What if, like, let's say I wanted to see Marilyn in a new light. What if I could see Marilyn through the eyes of her husband, Daryl, right? I would see a new aspect and appreciation for all the little things that she does every day for her family that largely go unnoticed, but through Daryl's eyes, I notice those little things and I appreciate them. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that about Marilyn. So let's say God the Father. Let's say you meet an ophanim who's assigned to you for a reason or purpose, and you look through them, through that veil of the ophanim, through that mirror of the ophanim. They're a mirror because they reflect God. They reflect his glory, his nature, his, his word that's inscribed upon them. They carry that. And they can carry you, because they're a chariot. You might not get the chariot ride the first time, maybe you will, but what if you saw God the Father through their eyes? As if you lived a whole eternity as an ophanim. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't your perspective of the Father change? Wouldn't that be health healthy? Wouldn't that be helpful? Someone who's been there since all that drama started before Adam was even created. You would have a better understanding. And so we learn from the angels. And as we go, those veils become the mirrors that reflect the glory. And as it's unveiled, it shows us who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. He's the image of the Father. And so we get to know God getting to know him and so just like the fallen ophanim blinded man and woman's eyes the holy ophanim will open man and woman's eyes Amen. the angels are reversing the holy angels are reversing all the damages of all the types of fallen angels done to the nations all right and so we do have to address the other side because this is important Right, I always think of Bobby Connor getting in trouble one time for not telling people about the enemy. He was like, well, I didn't want to give him too much credit. He said, I told you. Okay, so the angels remind me of that sometimes. Now, this is, we're talking about the impulse to look into a mirror to view your own appearance. And anything that you immediately think of, like, oh, yeah, I don't do that, or I try not. 
let all that just kind of filter out because it's we're going to go a little just a little deeper and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this but this is important to mention there is a demonic spirit who is in charge of all like the grooming and the hair care and the stuff and as we know it's not black and white religion or witchcraft where take really good care of yourself or don't take care of myself at all because I don't want to be wicked like them I'm not bad like them okay that's not where we're at that's not where you are leave all that behind that's completely irrelevant to anything God wants to, to talk about there's a demon spirit from the enemy side who's in charge of all the grooming and the nice things in vanity and what he does is after they're done you know getting ready for the day like if you get ready for the day and you become a different person in a negative way when you're done getting ready that means you're under the influence of that demon spirit you should be just as humble just as joyful just as kind as when you woke up all crusty-eyed and hair messed up and you got to be the same spiritual person the same spirit being living being eventually um you're not gonna wake up with eye crusties you're gonna wake up with perfect hair i know you got a silk pillowcase <laughs> the lord jesus the glory is your silk pillowcase amen you're gonna wake up beautiful and the guys to you you're gonna wake up beautiful okay so after they're done grooming themselves if they're under the influence whether they know it or not of this demon spirit he puts a, an invisible mirror in their hand so right if the mirror is in your hand guess where your sword is not in your hand okay mm. so they, they slip they's like oh you're just getting ready now you have an invisible mirror in your hand instead of your sword Ah, don't put the sword down <laughs> we're in a building time do you remember in the Bible when it's building time you sleep with that thing glued to your hand my sword is my hand my sword is just sh like Shama in the field I ain't letting go <laughs> you're not gonna let me <laughs> I would get a death grip on that thing don't put it down you're getting ready sword of the spirit right especially because you do not want to pick up this mirror because when he gives them this mirror gazing into it summons this spirit uh, I think it's called like a sirta or something like that that anyway that spirit it summons that spirit from that mirror so you started off looking at a natural mirror which is not bad you got to go look at yourself get ready for the day but you don't want to be in that spirit if you're subject and under that spirit he's gonna have a mirror in the invisible in your hand instead of a sword and when you gaze into that because you're holding it it summons another demon and from that mirror, that demon bring is what brings all deceiving spirits that bring dreams, lying dreams, and lying visions, which are unfulfilled dreams and visions. And that is what makes your hope turn into despair. So it'll be the idolatry of how you think God's going to do it from lying dreams and visions. So all you have is hope deferred, making your heart sick because you got a mirror in your hand summoning demons instead of your sword when you get ready in the morning. Realms of the false prophet Whew. being destroyed by revelation. Yeah, this is really good because y'all know, I know you guys, you're really good warriors, you're mighty warrior champions who study really good. You, you, And you're not going to fall for this after today in Jesus' name. You're not going to fall for it. 
And, you know, if they never got, um, maybe they, they never got you before. It's <laughs> like, you're probably the worst one out of the bunch. Okay. So, what happens from there, then, that one that comes out of that mirror summons another demon. And that one goes into the chasm of the abyss. And that raises Lilith and brings Lilith up. So, if you continue on that... You're on the path to summoning the mother of demons. Congratulations. That's, so since that's not what we want for your life, what is the mirror that we should be looking at? The Ophanim. And the Seraphim, their appearance was like burning coals. Because they're reflecting what the realms above, which is the living creatures and the fire and the rainbows and all that. And the Seraphim, the burning coals. And the realms of Berea. Who are they reflecting? God the Father. So it's mirrors within mirrors in your soul. The cleansing of your soul is the washing of that mirror. That dark mirror, like you know, we see it's like dimly lit how the prophets see. As the soul becomes transfigured, cleansed, sanctified by being circumcised by the living word of God, it turns into a clear glass mirror. So you'll just see, and eventually it's promised in the scriptures, and then you'll know, even as you're known. They said Moses saw clearly. Clear soul. Clear soul. How? By going up. <laughs> and not messing around looking at some other janky mirror. And the how do you know when you're under the impulse of that spirit? If you're walking around and you feel that impulse to continually look at yourself in the mirror, that's their kind of calling card. They're like trying to get you to summon demons. Mm -hmm. And so what you can do practically is resist the urge to adore yourself in the mirror. Or when you walk by, I know, like, you know, we've all done this where you walk by and there's like a reflective surface, it's not really mirroring. Just, I want to check make sure I look okay. <laughs> it, it, it's just natural. It's not like a condemning thing. It's just, that's human nature. It's like self-image versus Yarevahe right. image. Right, so which mirror? There are two mirrors in the garden. And so when you're getting ready for the day, look into those eyes looking back at you and I'm going to see Jesus. Let me see you through in, in my eyes. When I look in there, I see that spark of that light of the Holy Spirit. And I ask the angels to help me get ready. Clothe me with humility. I don't want to put on any kind of wrong garments or pride while I'm getting ready so I'm like an asshole by the time I'm done getting ready and then just like ruining everyone else's day without knowing it that's not what we want for you it's like practical discipleship tips to have less demonic influence right to not summon the, how to not summon the mother of demons in the morning amen because <laughs> we need it <laughs> especially if you're going to the front lines that's you know that's where we're dealing and that's who we're dealing with this season and uh one thing I will say for our warriors too, uh, Lilith is basically a more mature and capable demonic spirit than Jezebel. So I know some people they're like struggle their whole lives. They feel like they can never overcome Jezebel. Jezebel's like little baby daughter, you know, kind of version reflection of mm -hmm. of Lilith. A much newer spirit than ancient Lilith. Yeah, and so the and these these demons are so fucked up in the head, man, but. You have to understand, they know how to perfectly mimic, right? Because that mirror, 
uh, humility, love, friendship. They will literally, literally do anything to try and get in proximity to you and look like a non-threatening thing so that they can gut you and suck your life force and kill you and destroy all, you know, what God's trying to do in your life and the armies of God. And so stand at your post and wherever God has you posted, stand strong, stand firm. And uh, if you find yourself trying to look at yourself all the time, take selfies all the time, whatever, just do the physical discipline at first to back away from that and adore Christ, adore God. And say, you know, let me see the ophan in mirrors. Let me see the seraphim and the high heavenly realms. And the peace of God. The contentment that I'm content not to know those things too high for me, as David said. I want to know what you want to teach me today. I want to be clothed in strength. The power of forgiveness of others who have hurt me. I forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. I received that word for a friend, and in a moment, I felt strength pour into my spirit of a new level of forgiveness. And I felt strength, the spirit of might, rise up within me, who is strong and mighty to stand at the post and hold the shape, hold the gates shut against the armies of hell. The strength of Gandalf, you shall not pass. <laughs> we decree that over your family today. The gates of hell will not prevail against the gates of heavenly Jerusalem in your life, your family's life. You will walk in a greater forgiveness in the cool and the ruach of the day. Amen. We'll just close with this. Proverbs one thirty three. But the one who always listens to me will live undisturbed in a heavenly peace, free from fear, confident and courageous. That one will rest unafraid and sheltered from the storms of life. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. See you next time. <laughs> Give an offering tonight. Become a covenant partner with Red Letter Ministries by tithing out of the income of your business and house to this apostolic ministry. Tithing is a, a biblical promise for the prosperity of your house. Malachi chapter 3. Tithing to the priesthood of Melchizedek. Melchizedek received the tithe and blessed him who was inheriting salvation, Abraham. And you are now in the priesthood of Melchizedek who receives the tithes. If you haven't tithed before, you have preconceived ideas about tithing and you think it's the law, I would challenge you. Talk to the angels about it and talk to the great Holy Ghost. And Come out of earthly Christianity and false grace and come into a greater understanding of conquering the mid-heavens and the greater wisdom of Melchizedek and the priesthood of the mid-heavens that's conquering these realms. Because these are the realms, when you conquer them, this is the priesthood of Melchizedek that receives the tithe. Those that are conquering 
that Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 come up here and those who do are the priests leading the entire body of Christ on planet earth and right now you have hirelings in all directions doing church and ministry and strange fire and Christianity and pretending like it's doing something but it's not unless it's going up into the promised land realms only those going up and conquering and beginning to operate in those nine overcomers gifts have any right in the new covenant to receive tithes and offerings as the leadership of Jesus Christ everyone else is completely illegitimate but those who have conquered should receive the tithes and offerings and right now they are very much not because of the condition of the body of Christ especially in America it's very earthly it's very charismatic mixed with iniquity everyone has their own interpretation of everything so I would challenge all of you to come under the authority of the Apostle Christ Jesus and learn higher new covenant realities that you haven't been taught in charismatic church because the kingdom age is so much different and higher than the church age it's gonna change all your belief systems all of them and it's gonna be way better than anything you'd expect imagine but it requires a greater obedience in areas that have been very much lacking and not been areas of discipline during the church age and tithes and offerings are a major one so repent and bring the tithes into red letter ministries and the bible says god will open the storehouses of the windows of heaven to pour you out such a blessing that you can't even contain it it is written father god i pray that you'd speak to everyone of your sons and daughters at the sound of my voice and how they can partner and begin tithing and getting obedient with all their natural realm in obedience to the Holy Spirit and his leadership in Red Letter Ministries and help them obey, pour grace on them every day, raise them up and heal them in all their hearts and all their minds and all their bodies and physically, mentally, spiritually, morally, financially, relationally, let it all prosper as they obey you in everything by the great grace of Jesus Christ imparted into their spirit and poured upon their heads. Amen.